0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Again, just excited for the opportunity to share. Uh, thank you, Pastor Bronson, Pastor B, and Pastor Rick, for this opportunity. As Pastor Bronson has mentioned, this, this series on discipline and discipleship uh, do not forget last week's message and ensuring that we do not allow bitterness to take root in our hearts regardless of what's going on and and one of the things that I'd like to just kind of slow down and say is that uh, with discipline I know my wife has been disciplined having to put up with me we've been together since uh, she's in the year since high school summer of 10th grade, so I know that has required discipline for her to put up with me. But uh, honestly, one of the things that drew us to this church is how new life loves on people. And with that being said, John 13, 35 illustrates it. Jesus was talking to his disciplined disciples, and he said, I'm giving you a new commandment to love each other just as I have loved you. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, without a doubt. And so that's what, what drew us here, compelled us to come to New Life Downtown. And it has been noted during this time that our lives have been altered, our lives have been changed and rearranged. Uh, starting the year, we were experiencing 2020 vision, uh, COVID-19, now disharmony, uh, jangling discords in our country. And, and it, what it has done is... Uh, heighten the ability for us to actually drift from our duty, our devotion, and actually our relationship uh, with God. And so if you've been challenged with this daily, I I want to encourage you today that we have a way that we can get really plugged back in and and discipline ourselves to stay close to him. Uh, What I'd also like to say, there's times in our lives where we are challenged on what we want to do, what we feel like doing versus what we actually need to do. Anybody been there? I'm there right now. So so I often tell our students, uh, sometimes in life, we have to do what we have to do in order to do what we want to do. For instance, a lot of us, I know before COVID, we had plans. My wife likes to go to to Florida every summer. She's crazy about being on the beach. And some of us, we have a goal of having a beach body, but uh, many of us, we like that success without the process. Uh, many of us want blessings without the trials of life. Some of us see and we desire to have what other people have, but we do not slow down and pause to think about what does someone else do in order to get to the point that they're currently at. And many of us want the blessings throughout the trials. Most of us want to go to heaven, but many of us don't want to die. And the, and the ecclesiastical writer says, it is appointed for all men to die. There's a season. And Paul often said it like this. He says that, that we have to die daily in a spiritual sense to ourselves. And, and that talks about that discipline that we must have. We have to crucify flesh. And so I want to share this story with you that... Uh, if I can be transparent as it relates to discipline, I was a teenager, I had friends in the church and we were doing a baccalaureate service and, and the graduates were we had chosen a song to sing by boys to men. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And if I could be honest, I was not disciplined. Each one of us had a stanza to sing. We had particular notes. We wanted to be in unison. We wanted to be in harmony. And I did not do my part. As the kids would say today, Mr. Clayton, that was trash. And, and I didn't carry my note. In fact, I even forgot the stanza that I was supposed to sing. And uh, as my friends killed it, they did an awesome job. I missed some lines. My notes were flat. And after we finished, I darted out the side door. Didn't congregate. Didn't celebrate at the end. I was so embarrassed because I did not prepare. I was not disciplined. And Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. He says that oftentimes we discipline ourselves, we discipline our body, as does the athlete, training it to do what it should. And I tell you, sometimes that discipline does not even start with the body. It starts in the mind. Uh, the scripture says, let this mind be in us that is also in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we are, we're trying to discipline our, ourselves to do things, but we got to understand that the discipline is starting in our minds. Uh, in Romans chapter 7, Paul talked about how difficult that is. Romans chapter 7, he talks about there's a struggle or a war going on in our minds. Round about verse 21 And so for us this morning, we got to be mindful that if we have stinking thinking, then chances are that stinking actions are going to follow. And so as we think about it, everybody, we got to understand that discipline is not something that everybody is doing because it requires some work. I can testify I'm the same way. I've been around the block a few times, and I know that anything in life worth having is worth working for. Don't get super spiritual on me. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I know you're probably thinking, oh, man, he's, he's talking about faith-based works or, or salvation-based works. That's not what I'm talking about. We know that we are saved by grace through faith. Exactly. And I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. But in our lives, many of us want better jobs. We want better finances. We want better communication in our marriages. We want better for our children. We even are planning ahead, and we want better for our children's children. And so I've seen it, you know, uh, as I look about at being disciplined, I'm, I was reflecting back over my prayer card for 2020. In my prayer card, it says I want financial peace, I want health and wellness, better family ties, better spiritual growth and maturity, and then believe in others for salvation, health, wellness, liberation, freedom, and the Arkansas that God sees. So in that, there's things that we really want, and finances is on that list, and I've seen what money can do to people. Sometimes it exposes who we really are to the core. And it exposed some athletes that I met before, and, and, uh, and when they were made it to that plateau, so to speak, how it exposed them and how they weren't really mature enough and ready for those finances that they were making. We've observed that their money exposes who they are. And, that, and it also, when some of those athletes lose that money, they lose the money, and also they lose their minds, the OJ's had a song back in the day that says, for the love of money, and if you know those lyrics, I would, I would challenge you to listen to them. But in reality, there are things that we desire in our lives that have the potential to consume us and expose us and our vulnerabilities. Some folk have said that after you've tried everything else, try Jesus. Have y'all heard that before? After you've done everything else, come and try Jesus. But I I beg to differ. I would say try Jesus first, because what does it profit a man to gain the entire world and then lose his soul? It doesn't matter how much material things we accumulate, how much we gain in life. We will still have a God-sized void if we don't put him in our lives. Prior to becoming a principal, I was over at Joe T. Robinson High School, I would say, in Edutopia. Uh... Didn't have my mind on being a principal at all. I was just uh, happy with serving as an assistant, and then I became a principal, and I can tell you I was not disciplined enough, and I was not ready. Uh, Suddenly, I knew that I had to discipline myself because I had to serve students, teachers, parents, and other stakeholders, and I did not count up the cost to see what that actually looked like. Uh, Even after telling students and staff on a daily basis that failure is not an option, I myself did not count up the cost of discipline it would take to look at action plans, school improvement plans, and goals, and things that would need to be in place to support all the stakeholders. And in our lives, sometimes as Christians, we'll look at people that fail and often think, oh, I would never do that. Not me. I I wouldn't do that. But uh, wisdom says differently. That could totally be me. And in the scripture in Matthew 26, Jesus was sitting with his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 20. And it says, when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. This is when they were having the last supper. And while they were eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth that one of you will betray me. Verse 22 says, greatly distressed, each one of the disciples, disciplined disciples, followers of Christ that left what they were doing to follow him they said am i the one lord and they all knew within their heart of hearts that they had the propensity to be one that would betray him so as we're talking about during these times of life's challenges we need to make sure that we are disciplined psalms one says this blessed is the man that walketh let me change that version to the new living that's the uh That was the old King James. But blessed is the man that follows it, not the advice of the wicked, nor stand around sinners, idle, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. And they are like trees planted by the river brook, producing fruit in each season. Can I simplify this for you? Sometimes in life that it is going to rain on the just as well as the unjust. And what we have to do is that when that season comes where it rains, we have to be disciplined enough to know that God has us. As soon as our our feet strike Zion or glory, so to speak, God starts blessing and the devil starts messing. And all of us who are born in God's image and in this reason why we're wired for justice. If we're born in God's image, we're wired for justice. And so since we have this free will, we must discipline ourselves. See, Christ is not going to force us to act a certain way. But he says in his word that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you allow me to come in, then he is going to fellowship with us. So we must be disciplined to do as God would have us to do in situations and circumstances in our lives. Uh, this past weekend, we, we make it a, a family tradition to travel to Louisiana to visit my grandfather. He's 94 years old, and it was right after Father's Day. So we went down this past weekend because he was, I'll say, graduating or retiring from work at 94 years old. He's retiring from work, not Not just, uh, and so he did 40 years as an educator, served the country in the military, but as an entrepreneur, uh, he was a, a previous shop teacher for years, uh, woodwork. And so after uh, Vietnam War, the, the projects were dilapidated, they built them back up and he's been managing those for over 30 years now. So he's retired. And one of the things I got from him through all that was going on, there was a big parade and people from all over Claiborne Parish came to celebrate. And all the grandchildren were saying, Paul, what is it that have caused people to come here and celebrate you today? And he said, you reap what you sow. And so one of the things I found in that what he was saying, we serve God. And when we serve God, people recognize that people are blessed when we serve God, and we serve God by serving others on our jobs. I I remember that series we had here at church on how we serve God on our jobs, but one thing I want us to be mindful of is that we serve God who has the presence, the Holy Spirit, as Pastor Fitz said, to activate, activates us, and so when we get in the game, when we serve God whose Holy Spirit serves as a thermostat, He sets the atmosphere. He sets the tone for us when we go into a room. It's not like a thermometer where we change and, and, and adjust to what the world's way is, but the thermostat sets the temperature in the room. So today, just for a moment, I want to talk to you about growing in faith as disciples. And my scripture text comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And it reads from the New Living Translation. I am writing to you to share the same precious faith we have, precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. May God give you more and more grace as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Verse five, in view of all of this. We should make every effort to respond to God's promises. We should supplement our faith with generous provision for moral excellence, moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patience, patience with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. God's word applied in our lives equips us For a godly, fulfilling life. I know that was a lot. But as we talk about being disciples, there's a few things we must know. If we're going to follow Christ in this life, in this faith walk, this discipline is needed to combat and defend our faith and false teachers in the coming days. Not conforming to the world's wicked ways, we have to always be ready to give a hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And we must uphold excellent morals and godliness. Uh, We cannot just be satisfied with standing on the premises of God. What do you mean, Clayton? We cannot just be satisfied with checking in on Sunday mornings. I'm, I'm satisfied with standing on the premises. But we must stand on the promises of God in God's word. So point number one is this. We must study the word of God to know his divine nature. Second Peter says it. Like this, in in chapter 1, verse 3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. It's in the word. For every situation we encounter, there's a solution in his word. We have received all this by coming to know him. The scripture says to know him is to love him. And how do we know if we know him? He says if we're his disciples, then we have love for one another. Okay? Okay. So Philippians 3 and 10, it it convicted me when I read it because I really want to get to know Christ in this manner. It says to know God in the fellowship of his suffering and in the same power that rose him from the dead or the power of the resurrection. See, there are some times in our lives we're not going to be up here and and, and everything is, is like we want it. There's going to be some times we're going to have some valleys in our lives. There's going to be some times when we're high in praise and worship. But in life, it's going to be an ebb and flow. And so we're going to have to move on to maturity. And so to know God in the fellowship of his suffering and the power of his resurrection means that I'm going to have to move from maturity. Or or sometimes there's places of stagnation in my life that I need to be revived. Because I know that Christ has the power to revive some dead situations. Uh, Paul said it like this to the Roman church in Romans 8 and 18. He says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, what we're going through in our country, the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. So we have to ensure that we do not allow the worldview of sin to become so normal to us that while righteousness appears to be strange, Let me say that again. We have to make sure and ensure that we do not allow the worldview that has sin embedded to become so normal to us while righteousness appears to be strange. Also, we have to be mindful of trying to keep it real. Sometimes we're compromising what God would have for us to do. See, there's a difference between keeping it real and then really focusing on what would Jesus do. See, back back a few years ago, we used to say WWJD. Now we say, well, let me just keep it real. There's a way to keep it real and also be mindful of what would Christ do? So while I'm keeping it 100 and keeping it real, is God getting glory from it? Uh, there's, there's power in God's word. There's authority in his word. So uh, Paul said this, all things are lawful but, and all things are permissible, but does it edify? Does it build up the saints? So point number one, we want to get in God's word to understand his divine nature. Number two, we have to make every effort to supplement our faith. We have to be con- constantly pursuing the things of God. Paul said this is the Thess- church at Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. pray without ceasing. So that doesn't mean that Duane walks around every day praying all day, every day. But there are times when I'm going throughout my day, I said, Lord, help me with this situation. It's kind of like a quick text, a reminder, Lord, help me. Because I understand that if the Lord doesn't intervene, I won't make it through it. Or I need his wisdom in order to make it through it. The Hebrew writer said it like this in Hebrews 12 and 1. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that easily beset us. So a lot of times people say, well, this is not sin. But is it a weight in our lives? So sometimes weight calls us to drift. Okay. So then we're looking unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. So we can run this race with patience. Okay. So how are we to make an effort? How are we to make every effort? Sometimes we have to make sure we have accountability partners. And in those accountability partners, they, they hold us accountable in our faith walk. John fifteen five says it like this. If we abide in God and he abides in us, we can ask anything. And also in that abiding in him, he says, I am divine and you are the branches. And if we remain in him, we can produce much fruit. But apart from him, we can do nothing. So in him we have power, we have the ability to produce, but apart from him we can do nothing, we have no power. Ephesians 2 and 10 says it like this, we are his workmanship, created to do good works. And the New Living Translation says, he has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he's planned for us to do a long ago. Daily we can start like this. I can go to ourdailybread.org and start a devotional. It'll give you a daily devotional. It'll give you two Old Testament chapters and a portion of a New Testament. So we read the word each day so that we can study to show ourselves approved, needing not to be ashamed. And then we can pray that God places us in positions that we become the hands and feet of God. Oftentimes it's not about remembering scripture, but it's about, Lord, am I going to yield to your spirit when I'm able to be in position to serve somebody to show that we are your workmanship so we're we're, uh, reading god's word to understand his divine nature number two we're making every effort to supplement our faith and then number three we need this produce patience self-control and love for all we have to be mindful in our faith walk that everybody's not going to operate at the same pace in the same way that we do so that means we got to have patience We got to have self-control. Everybody's not going to mature like we do. And so this is what the word says. In addition, we cannot cause one of the younger ones or weaker believers to stumble and fall based on our conduct. Matthew 25 says this about being patient. Matthew 25, 35, Jesus was talking in in a parable. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. When I was naked, you gave me clothing. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. Didn't say you gave me scripture, didn't say you, but it said you, you met my needs. You moved with compassion. Jesus was an advocate for those who were culturally irrelevant. The woman at the well, he loved her. The woman caught in the duchery. he loved her. And at times we have too felt like we were the outcasts. But as we say around here at New Life Church, it's okay to not be okay. But God does not want us to stay that way. He doesn't want us to stay at that same predicament that the woman at the well was. He don't want us to stay and waddle in that uh, situation that he found us in. Christ wants us to grow in the knowledge of him and and then that saving grace that he has. James 121 says this. Understand, my dear brothers and sisters, we must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives and humbly accept the word of God that has planted in our hearts, for it has power to save our souls. So as we close today, Paul reminds us in Romans 1.12 that we can be encouraged by one another's faith and that we can move from faith to faith. The gospel is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it also speaks about this powerful gospel that Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 through 11 that we were uh, drunkards, that we were riotous in our living, but then he said that we were blood washed and we were saved. And I want to let you know today that God can save anyone. Can I ask you another, can I ask you a question? Have you ever given someone or some goal that you've had your least or not your very best? Or could I even ask you, have you given them your worst? That it wasn't even a good faith effort. You given them your worst. But somehow in return, you got the very best deal out of it that you could get. We gave our worst, but out of the deal, we got the very best. That's what God has done for us. He has given us his very best. His son, Jesus to come and live a life and show us an example. He died for us. And if I could just illustrate it this way that in the salvific messages it's almost like cars that have no function anymore. They're taken to a, dunk, a, a junkyard. But to some people those cars have value. They have parts that could help restore other cars that are considered to be hoopties. So if you go to the salvage yard, you can get an alternator and it may help a car run again. And that's what Christ did for us. He came that we might have life and that we might have life more abundantly. If I could be transparent about Dwayne Clayton, I wasn't fit to live and I surely was not ready to die but Jesus came into my life to redeem me, to purchase me back because I had a sin debt that I could not pay myself. It's almost like coupons. Some people go in the store and they purchase things without even hesitating on how much it's gonna cost. But I shop, and my wife teases me about this, but I shop with coupons and after they ring up the price and what it costs I gladly give them a coupon because it's redeemable for a certain value and that's what Christ did for us have you ever been there where you've been in a store and somebody used a card and they swiped it and there was nothing on it and the people had to take it back but Christ stood in front of his father and said no I, I, I can I'm paying the price for the sin debt. And so as I close with this, 2 Peter 3 and 9 says this, God is not really being slow concerning his promise as some people think, but he is patient for our sake. He's patient for each one of your sakes that he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants all to come to the knowledge of repentance. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for your word and and for the opportunity Lord God that your word has power and there may be someone in here today with a point or at the point of decision thinking that they're not worthy thinking that they're not good enough thinking that they've done too much but Lord God I know that the greatest miracle you perform is that of salvation how you come into someone's life and make it brand new not only did you give your son to die for us, that we might have eternal life. You didn't come to condemn the world, but you came to reprove the world of sin. So God, we thank you right now for those that have a decision to make, Lord God. Would you quicken their spirits? Would you quicken their minds to assure in them, Lord God, that they're enough because you make the difference in our lives. And your Holy Spirit, as we yield to you, Lord God, will come in and manifest in our lives and make everything brand new. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.